0: Good morning. Good morning. Lane, do you want to just play for just a moment? I just, I just want us to pray. Just take a moment. I know a lot of us are, all of us are in different places in our life. Different needs. A different way that uh, we're asking God to speak to us. Um, just comfort us, some of us. For some of us, we need uh, just some open doors or for God to speak to us clearly. But I just want us to just take a moment as Lane plays over us. Just ask God, God, speak to me today. Speak to our hearts today. Reveal Jesus today. I know some people have come in here with heavy hearts. Some people... Just joyful. Some people are searching. Some people are questioning their faith, God. Many of us, Lord, we come different ways into this place, Lord, into a church body. But I pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word, God, and that you would reveal Jesus, his love and his truth, Lord his grace and his truth and bring peace to our souls today that's what we pray in Jesus name we pray and everyone said amen amen thank you for being here with us today my name is John and uh, I hope that someone got to welcome you you got to eat some donuts or drink some coffee uh, and if you're new to faith, checking things out, I am so glad you are here as well. I want to always speak to you about Jesus because I believe that only Jesus changes our lives. It is, and that's what I'm going to speak to you about pretty much every week. <laughs> pretty much every week. We're continuing this series. It's called Rooted. Say Rooted. And it's a study and an experience. So we can do it uh, alone as a study, or we can do it together as an experience. There's people who are in groups doing this together. There's a, it's a practice of seven healthy rhythms uh, of your relationship with jesus what it means to follow and walk with jesus all of us we're at different places of life different uh stages of understanding who jesus is you might be new you might be been around for a while but it's daily devotions prayer freedom from strongholds serving in the communion, sacrificial giving sharing your story and celebration And our desire at Hill City, and my desire for people is that they would have a robust and rooted faith. Not just, I I want you to have more than a devotional level faith. I I really do. Something that, I don't want your faith just to be limited to just, you know, those devotions that you read. But you start digging deeper into how God wants to speak to you. Uh, The Bible speaks of growing in faith or maturity like an athlete, right? Right? Some of us are athletes, and some of us are mathletes, right? I I'm Asian. I'm not good at math, uh, but we're training, right? We're refining, we're maturing, we're establishing what it means to live life in light of God and his love. That's what's going on. And, and we're, I want you to be practitioners of the way of Jesus, not just understanding, oh, yeah, that's what Jesus does. Not, that's what Jesus does. It's not enough for us. We actually have to practice this stuff individually individually. Well, talk amongst yourselves for a moment. Yeah, jeez. That's the worst sound ever. Yeah. I apologize for all those who have broken eardrums today. Yeah. Yeah, what? It's good. That's good. That's really good, actually. But back to rooted... Um, according to Jesus, he, he spoke of a parable, and it's the parable of the sower. And it says, if faith does not take root, I just want you to hear me. If faith does not take root, and if it's not actually lived out, it will be choked out. It will be choked out. It will wither away. It will wither away. No matter how long you've gone to church, I don't care if you have the Lord is my shepherd throat tattoo. I know you're going hard. But if you do not actually live it out, it will be choked out. It really will. Faith is not information. It has to be activation, growing deeper roots so that life, the life of God would grow to be fruitful in and through you. When I teach my son of, of, about Jesus, I talk to him like training, you know, yeah, you, Training allows you to do what you cannot normally do. I know you'll hear me say this many times, but if, if Tino here and I, we want to lift, I don't know, if we want to bench press 300-something pounds, I cannot do it right now, right? I cannot bench press 300 pounds. But if you give me six months, I could do it. It's just you're doing it every single day. You're doing it every day. I even told Christian, I bet you could do it in about four years, Right? But I'm just saying, you, as long as you're training and you're growing little by little, what you think you cannot do and you see, you look through the word of God and you're like, I cannot live a life of holiness like that. I cannot live a life of purity, a life where I control my tongue or attitude like that. I cannot walk in humility like that. It's because we're not training. We're just wanting we're like that's a great idea i would like that in my life you know if this is not john madden you can't just rev it up in in the stats when you're creating this custom character you can't just oh i'm gonna put points here and not put points here no there has to be training taking place training is like it's like the secret weapon in 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 the bible as you train in the word of god you're like i don't know the word of god like you it's because you haven't trained I don't know how to pray to God. It's because we haven't tried to train in in praying in these things. As you train, it allows you to do what you cannot do alone, what you cannot normally do, and that's why it's so important here to get rooted in God. Because at the end of the day, that's how you grow. That's how you become fruitful. That's how marriage works, folks. You gotta train in marriage. You know when I talk to young marrieds and. The, and, and, like, right before they're going to get married, they're like, we, we, we're, it's going to be so easy. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Like, it's, you know, we, 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 we tell each other everything. I'm like, uh-huh. Like, go on. Go on. I'm like, I'll see you in a couple months, man. Right? Because even though it goes easy for a while, then life begins to happen hardships began to happen and the things that are in us start coming out we're like well this is a lot harder right i remember getting married for in getting married and i was like oh this is gonna be so easy because canvas is so easy to deal with but i'm so hard to deal with right i'm like i'm so manipulative i can't believe this And, and so i would say certain things i know you guys and girls don't do this i would say certain things to get certain reactions Right? And because it was my way of control. And I was like, oh man, I'm in trouble. I can either deal with this now or I can pretend like, like I'm all good, right? But we're all, just like marriage is growing, it, it, it's in, it takes training. It takes training. So if you have your Bibles, please go to Ephesians 6 all right i love it last week hannah spoke about suffering and this week we're continuing with the message we have an enemy spiritual warfare spiritual warfare in ephesians it was written about 60 a.d 60 a.d right and and the apostle paul or a the paul of tarsus or Saul of tarsus which he was known uh, and, and there's so many historians that write about him and speak about Saul of Tarsus. He's writing to the church of Ephesus right here. And Ephesus was this big, prosperous like city in the harbor, a harbor city in Asia Minor, right? And it was the famous, it was the end of the famous trading route from the Silk Road. So where the Silk Road ended was in Ephesus. So just imagine the culture that was there, the different cultures, the different races, the different people. It, it was like this, this place of all these meeting places. It was Ephesus there. And at the center of Ephesus was the temple of Artemis, and that's what it looks like—the temple of Artemis, this giant temple to a Greek goddess. And so here, Paul knows what he's facing. He's facing cultures. He's facing this uh, this uh, this uh, temple of Artemis, which was like, uh, which was kind of like a feminist uh, temple, right? They were like, it was like a feminist culture in Ephesus. Just to give you some background history of Ephesus. And so here, this is what Paul is encouraging the church with all these emphasis of, of goddesses and gods and cultures and, and cultures from Asia and cultures from all over. And here it's Paul encouraging this young church, you need to mature in your faith. You've got to get rooted because there's a lot of pressure on you. And there's a lot of spiritual pressure if you notice it or not. And this is what he writes in Ephesians six ten to 13. He said, finally, be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness, of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So Paul here is speaking in in Roman military terms, saying make sure you're prepared for a fight, guys, and not just caught off guard, right? Right? So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. We have an enemy. We have an enemy. I know in modern society, there's a hard disconnect with anything spiritual. They're like, oh, if it's spiritual, it's not real. But you know, we were like, everyone believes that. It's not true. You go to Asia, you go to Africa, you go to South America, they don't believe like us. Unless we have this uh, this uh, wicked like uh, myth, uh, like oh we have elitism we should be the only ones right but all over the world they actually don't believe like us think about that just for a moment because we always think oh our culture is the same culture everywhere it is just not true about spirituality it's not and and I'm gonna I'm gonna move forward but they're, they're, what if they they are unaware what if we're unaware of something. In our culture, we say that everything must have natural and scientific explanations, right? It's true. Crime and violence and war and greed and cruelty and racism. It's psychological or sociological. That's what we say. It's because of lack of education, a lack of uh, of social guidance, bad structures, bad systems. We believe if we can just figure this out, we could fix it. We could fix it. If we, what if we can't? What if we can't figure it all out? And how are we doing figuring out this widespread anxiety going on right now? How are we doing at figuring out the increase, like a, an increase like a steep mountain of suicide going on in our Adams 12 schools right now? in the last 40, 50 days, what is it, at eight? It's at seven or eight. It's very high right now. Of students half of them in middle school dealing with this this widespread anxiety how are we figuring out this radical greed in our society are we just feeding into it or this idea of addiction is it just psychological is it just social or this dividing hatefulness that's growing in our country How are we figuring that out? There's this professor in Columbia University named Andrew Delbanco, and he wrote this book, and he's a secular dude, but he wrote this book, uh, uh, I think it's called Disappearing Satan or something like that. And he's this professor, and he's just, this is what he wrote. The gulf has opened up in our culture between the visibility of evil and the lack of intellectual resources to deal with them. He continued to explain, How society has tried to get rid of the word evil because it implies this intrinsic foundational value or moral absolutes. Something that can't be explained out, right? A law of the heart. Because when you say there's moral values, you have to say then there's a law in our heart that we are born with morality, which means that God has placed morality in our heart. So rather, we use medical terms like dysfunction and pathology, and, and, and rather than moral terms. But Pref, uh, Professor DeBanco, he continues, he says, as time goes on, it's getting harder and harder to say the Holocaust or ethnic cleansings or serial killings is just bad psychological or social adjustments, right? If you ever read any of the articles of the Holocaust, the way they talked about people, it was so evil. Evil. They were talking about wiping out people. If you ever read some of the history of how Caesar had killed one million Gauls and how they celebrated it. Or when they have crucified thousands of people down the road in Nero's circus, it was and they celebrated lighting them on fire. We have to say. That is not a psychological adjustment. There is evil going on. There's something deeper going on here. And what he's saying, there is something more going on when looking at the human condition. You can see darkness that we do not have answers for, that we put people through our systems, but they still come out evil. And they're like, what is going on? And Paul says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual authorities and the powers of darkness. See, the Apostle Paul, uh, C.S. Lewis echoes what Apostle Paul says, and he writes, when it comes to the demonic, people are usually, they fall into one or two camps, right? Either they take on the enemy altogether too seriously, or they do not take them seriously enough. That's from the screw tape letters right there. Uh, the, these guys were telling me about it. There are two extremes. They give the enemy too much credit, like Bobby's mom from The Waterboy, right? Foosball is from The Devil. Uh, that's old, like all the, they're like, what, you, what movie are you talking about, right? It, that's aging, you guys. That's aging, you guys. I know, I know. Gen Z is like, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's right. That's how old we are, Gen X. That's right. Yeah, everyone's like, what is he talking about? Yeah, Bobby's mom from The Waterboy, Bobby Boucher. That's right foosball's from the devil everything's from the devil right the car batteries die that's the devil right you don't get front row parking or it snows on the weekend that you're off or your team loses, it's like, oh man, what is this? And, and and it's not that we don't believe in psychological or social behaviors causing problems, because we do. What we're saying, we also believe that there are spiritual forces that penetrate, that per- perpetuate evil and sin throughout humanity. And on the flip side, is not giving enough credit, right? Forgetting that we're in a battle, that we have an enemy, that we're facing evil. Scripture tells us, spiritual warfare is normal. It's what you're going through. It's real, yet too many of us live unaware or don't care. So we walk in ignorance and ill-prepared. And listen, our enemy does not care if you believe him or not. He doesn't care because he's not after our recognition. He's after our destruction. So today I want us to first know our enemy second know his schemes and third break down strongholds i just gave it to you all at once all right it's because i'm not gonna go i i, I didn't want to make that many slides so i made one that's just the truth of it it was it was like 12 or 1 in the morning i was like i'm making one slide know your enemy know your enemy in the bible The name of our enemy is this, and if you want to write that down, is Satan, which means the accuser or the adversary. And the devil, which is Diablos, which means slanderer or liar. Slanderer or liar. I'm going to go through Satan, accuser, right? The accuser is more of a description than a name. It's more of a description. It's It's in a legal word, which means prosecutor. Think about that a prosecutor. Has anyone ever t- taken the stand and been prosecuted? Anyone? Just me? Two of us, right on, right? Three of us. What you do, Lane? No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't want to say. I don't know if you've ever been put on the stand, but it is not very, it is awful, especially when you're starting to get prosecuted. When they're starting to come after you, asking you questions. And, and, it, and, it's, and if you are naively unprepared, you are in trouble. They are going to get you. Because the prosecutor comes at you and they go for the throne. And his role is to discredit you so no matter what you say, it seems like a lie, right? It leads you into the trap. He twists your words. He condemns you. And then he corners you in a way that you don't even know what the truth is. You're like, I don't even know anymore if you've ever been there. Now the devil, in the Greek, Diablos, is a liar, a slanderer. And, and so the way our enemy attacks us is first accusation, and second, through slanderous lies or temptation, right? Many of us are skeptical of things we cannot see, but I want you to do this for a moment with me. If it, and I know some of you guys don't believe in the devil or not, or Diablos or the, or the Satan, which is uh, Hasatan, Satan, Right? But take a moment and try looking backwards in your life for a moment. Think of how certain temptations were just perfectly timed, specifically tailored for you. I have these I have so many stories that says that starts something like this. I had this friend once, right? This person comes into your life right at the wrong time, right when you were at the weakest. The right question planted in your head that throws you off track, the emotion, the depression that just totally throws you off, or the suspicion of your heart that came just at the right time. I don't know if you've ever dealt with jealousy. That suspicion will crush you, right? Or the perfect storm that seemed to happen in your marriage, in your groups, or in your friendships that really drives a wedge between you when you need them most. It's a setup. It's a setup. We have an enemy. Know your enemy. Number two, know his schemes. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be alert and be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's a, prow- He's a lion. He's looking for someone to devour like a cat. If you've ever watched a cat, I told you cats are evil, Right? <laughs> If you ever watch a cat, if you're not paying attention, right, they 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 know they know how to attack, they're lurking. You can watch them lurking. And so just imagine we have an enemy lurking. And when you feel sad or isolated, when you feel weak or suffering, that's when he attacks you. When you're feeling all emotional, because you're single and it's still Valentine's Day, right? And you're like, geez, right? You feel this, right? and 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 then and or you have your boyfriend it's like oh that's all made up i'm never going to take you out on that day whoever wherever you are right whoever you are there is a line that attacks your emotions in the garden of eden adam and eve right when they weren't paying attention when things were good here comes the enemy and he doesn't attack head on but flanks them with an idea say idea God, this is what Satan says to Adam and Eve. Did God really say that? Did God really say that? Did you know that you could be like God? That's what they told Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve forgot they were already like God. They were made in the image of God. So they were using these half-truths to come at them. What is God trying to hold back from you? What is he trying to hold back from you? little ideas and thoughts causing suspicion and mistrust and half-truths pushing us a little further the devil cannot make you a good or bad person but the devil makes a flawed person worse he takes your weakness and he presses it he pushes it ephesians 4 27 says be angry and do not sin do not let the sun set upon your anger and do not give a, the devil a foothold a trap So he plays into your bitterness by by keeping you angry, right? And and the anger turns to bitterness, and it's what you've already been dealing with, and then they play on your thoughts. Did you see how she treated you? You start saying weird things to yourself. You ever talk to yourself in a very negative way, and you're like, where is this voice coming from? Did you see how she treated you? she deserves to be hated right or then you're then you then so maybe i deserve to be hated i can't trust that person they don't love you don't they don't want you around here right and they isolate you with this idea in your mind and you could be surrounded by people and feel so isolated because of the way we think in our minds that's the setup that's the setup and and i want you to say temptation and accusation This is so big, and I will close up very soon. Temptation and accusation, that's how the enemy attacks us. Temptation is this. Temptation works so that you have too high of a view of yourself. It's this pride, right? I can do this. I can control this. I can still do this. God's okay with me. He'll forgive me. It's this high view of yourself. And accusation works that you have too low of a view of yourself. It's condemnation. It's this weight that you cannot carry. Temptation works so that you have too low of a view of God's holiness. And accusation works that you have too low of a view of God's grace and God's love. For example, I don't know if you've ever been through this, a temptation of lust. Maybe it's an image you saw, or a feeling you had, or a brush of the arm, or the way he smiles at you. We have this feeling, right? And then our mind starts to wander, and it begins to play out scenarios. Then it continues to grow. And if you let it, it leads into all sorts of darkness, into pornography, into hookups, into adultery. And listen, right when you fall into sin, when you're being tempted, here comes the devil on the other side and says, He first tempts you into it like, it's okay, you could do it. And then right when you fall into it, I can't believe you did that. It is so crazy how he guides us, tempts us into something. And right when we trap ourselves, we start becoming embittered. We say, I can't believe you're like that. No wonder people don't like you. How could God forgive you? And this this condemnation, this weight, how dare you do that? You were so weak. Have you ever talked to yourself like that? Man, you're such a mess. John, you're such an idiot. These are the words I say. John, you're such an idiot. How would anyone want to follow you? How can you lead your wife well? Well, You are going to so fail. You're going to so fail. I can't wait till you fail. These thoughts, you should quit now. I don't know about you. I have the quitting. I constantly, you should quit right now. You should quit. Man, pouring into, pouring into people, you should quit. There's an easier way to do that. You, you don't need to do that. Loving people when they least deserve it, you know, they don't deserve it. You know, you should love them when they deserve it. These little things start to prop up. And then, he's, then right when you fall into it, how dare you? How dare you live like that? From temptation to condemnation. And it comes, and that's how he builds this stronghold, brick by brick, lie by lie. I don't know what you're tempted by or what you're accused by in this room, but the devil builds these strongholds lie by lie by lie all the way up to the top that you then become totally isolated, totally isolated. For example, someone you trusted Should have been a good father. And this is for many of us in this room, me included. Yet they deeply hurt you, and they abandoned you. They abused you. And as a result, you believe in a lie. No one could be trusted. You can only trust yourself. These are things I used to say to myself. I'm straight up. You cannot trust anybody, John. You got to make it happen. You cannot trust it. You can only trust yourself. And in turn, we get fiercely independent, right? Some of us that come, came up from hard homes, we left home like at 16, 17, 18. Right when we could, we were done. We were out the door, right? And we're fiercely independent, so much so that you have trust issues. You push people away, and now you're like, why doesn't anyone know me or like me or talk to me? It's because right when they get close, you're like, nope. Right when the group starts talking about things that is is about you, you're like, nope, I'm out of here. Oh, I'm feeling sick today and the next week and the next week, right? (laughs) And if you say no a couple times, it's so easy not to show up. Oh, you know, I don't want to go to church. He's probably talking about the devil or something like that. So I'm not coming, right? He's talking about suffering. I'm not coming. And your struggle starts to push you away. And then that same struggle of trust Starts to push your wife away, your kids away. Like, why can't I connect with my kids? It's because we're still dealing with that stronghold that Satan has put around us. Why don't I have best friends? It's because we're still dealing with the same struggles. Why is my relationships always so just uh, doesn't work? It's because we're still dealing with pushing people away. And at the end, we will push God away. That's how strongholds work. The enemy wants to keep you isolated and incapacitated and ineffectual for God and for others and for yourself, keeping you from moving on and getting over, right? Maturing, growing, helping, loving. But listen what Paul says. He says, for though we live in 2 Corinthians 10:3 to 5, for though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, break strongholds, right? Then he says in Ephesians 6:13, it says we've read this already, therefore put on the full armor of God. And what he means by that is put on the gospel of Jesus. Every part of it so that you can stand your ground after you've done everything to stand. And uh, in, in the words of Pastor Tim Keller, who's like my favorite teacher, he's like my mentor, and he doesn't know it, right? Someone said that. I was like, that's true, right? He, he wrote this. The gospel is this. I am so sinful and flawed that Jesus had to die for me, yet at the same time, I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. It undermines both swaggering and sniveling i cannot feel superior to anyone and yet i have nothing to prove to anyone i do not think more of myself nor less of myself this man if we can get a hold of the gospel it will change our lives remember the schemes of the enemy temptation lying to believe that god is not holy and you're good right that sin won't affect you or accusation, lying by the weight of blame and condemnation, that God can't forgive you, making you feel abandoned and loved. So the next time you find yourself in temptation, remember the gospel. Yes, I am sinful that Jesus had to die for me. And next time you find yourself in accusation, remember the gospel. Yet at the same time, I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. He'll we must cling to the gospel. That is the armor of God. That's the armor of God. It's the power unto salvation. It's the power to overcome the enemy in the attacks of our mind. Tell the enemy next time you feel these, you start hearing the voices like, like you could do that. You could do that. It's okay. You can. You know. You can treat people that way. Or like, how dare you do that? You're a piece of trash. You're a piece of trash. Next time the enemy starts speaking to your mind, you say, you know what? You can say devil, whatever you want to say. You know what? I am far worse than you think I am. Yet at the same time, I'm far more loved than I can ever imagine. I cannot clean myself up or complete myself or save myself with my goodness or my success. I am utterly in need of Jesus And from this posture, you can truly begin to overcome the strongholds, forgive others, walk in purity, turn from your sin, and turn from your success. Sometimes success itself is blinding. You start thinking, man, I think I could save myself. I think I could save myself. And rather, we fully fall into the arms of God. Fully fall into the arms of God to the people that I teach directly I say man every day we dive into the sea of grace every day every breath you take you are breathing in grace we do not deserve the love of God we do not deserve his his we do not deserve any of this yet we are breathing in his grace every day and when you live life In understanding the gospel, that this beautiful gift of how much God is holy, yet he loves us, and you swim in this grace every day, life begins to become so much lighter. The heaviness of life becomes so much weaker, and the strongholds start to fall. So today, as we close, put on the full armor of God. Put on the gospel. This is your armor against the attacks and schemes. That's how we live in the victory of God. Put up that big list of strongholds. These are the strongholds, and they're not all of it. And it's also in your handout if you got a handout. But these are the strongholds that we face. Bitterness, resentment, hate, and anger. Or we can walk in the freedoms of Christ, and we can actually forgive. That was probably the one that was crushing me, is bitterness. I don't know if it was crushing you. I, I always tell I, little bits of my story, and my son caught it the other night, and he was like, "He was like, what was going on in your life? I was like, I'll tell you later. But, you know, I grew up in a, a super abusive home. I don't know if you guys have grown up like that. You, it was so abusive that... Um, uh, my dad was abusive to my uh, my mom and uh, both boys. My I think my brother got the brunt of it. I asked him, I asked him like, do you remember our childhood? And he says, nope. He he has totally blocked it out. We were beaten pretty bad. We we went from foster home to foster home, uh, growing up. And like, I don't know if you grew up that way, but you were just in survival mode. You cannot let any emotion out or you feel like you're going to break? Have you been there where you could not release any emotions or you felt like you were going to die? I don't know if you've come from a broken relationship or you come from an abandonment, but there's moments we try to save ourselves. I'm going to save myself. I'm going to save myself. And it brought me to such bitterness, man, such depression and such darkness. And I said, no one can change me. I can save myself. And guess what? At the end of the day, it was a total lie. I found myself in the darkest places of life, and I said these words, how did I get here? I don't know if you've ever said those words before. How did I get here? And in that moment, I don't know, you know, when you're walking in the, the teeter-totter of life and death where you just don't even care. I got a call uh, from P- Pastor Bo. He was like, hey, man, I know things are rough, but you want to live with me? I was, <laughs> I was living in Dallas at the time. I was like, what? Who is this guy? I've met him twice in my life. He said, you want to just, like, live with me? And I was like, that's so weird. I said, thank you for the offer, but no, I'm okay. <laughs> right? I was like, who is this guy who would call me, right? And then I got into a darker and darker place. And I was like, man, if I do not leave this place, I am going to prison or I am going to end it all. I was at that sort of place. And uh, there's so much to that story. But I ended up in Colorado from Dallas. I drove here in my white Dodge Dodge ram, right? Sold all the, all my stuff. I, I brought a futon, though, because I didn't know if I would have better or not. And I brought my clothes, and I ended up here, and I lived in this dude's basement, just straight up detoxing, just puking for weeks, because my life had been such a mess for so long. And I just, just in these moments, we could let strongholds continue to build, but I ask you, just say one yes to God. You don't need to say, uh, you know, to say, God, if you're out there, like, Just make one way, please, because I can't, I've tried, I've tried to save myself, I can't, I can't. So, take a moment, I want you to look up here, where are you in the strongholds list? What do you need to break down? What do you need to let go? What has power over you? There is freedom in the gospel. Every one of those verses lead us right back to Jesus. Where he says, you are so loved that I, that you are so sinful that I died for you. But at the same time, you are so loved by me that I will gladly die for you. I love you. I love you, John. I love you, Mo. I love you, Tino. That is what God is saying today. He is calling your name today. Let's take a moment of just prayer. What out there, what up there are you dealing with? Just take a moment. (sighs)
1: How <sighs> that your life
2: You know what? <laughs> Our God is so much bigger than that. In one second, he can just shut his mouth and say, no, they're covered. By the blood of my son, they're covered. So when we sing a song that says, it may look like I'm surrounded, it may look like the devil has me, it may look like I have nothing else, I have nothing left. and encompassed by things that are not in my control things that I have no power over things that I can't do on my own and the devil says I got you I got you now and the whole time (laughs) God has been there he was already there all it takes is for us to say no God is surrounding me. You may be coming towards me, but my God is already here. He's with me. You can come as close to me as you want, but guess what? I got a wall. <laughs> I don't know who needs to hear that today. You might feel like you have nothing left, like you are so lost, like you are so broken. You may feel like you are completely out of options. But God says, I'm here already. I have already surrounded this situation. I have already surrounded you. All you have to do is take a step toward me. Take a step into my shield. Take a step into my refuge, into my comfort, into my strength. God, I ask right now that you would let us feel you, that you would let us feel you surrounding us, that you would let us know, God, that you are there in the midst. It says that you are in the midst of the praises of your people and that you surround your people. So, God, we offer it all to you right now, and we ask for an exchange. We exchange it, God. We exchange the sorrows and the burdens, and we we praise you anyway. And God, fill those praises with who you are, and give us beauty, God, in place of those things that we can't handle anymore. Give us peace. Give us comfort, God, in place of, of depression, God, in place of anxiety. God, give us you instead. We exchange it right now, God. This beautiful thing, this beautiful grace of who you are, God. He gives beauty for ashes. Take those ashes in your life. Take those situations, those family members, those things that you can't control, those things that you can't you, can, you can't control the outcome. You don't know what's going to happen, but God does. He says, "Give it to me today. Give me your give me your pain, give me your hurt, give me your sorrows." your fears give me that pain let me heal that trauma let me bind up that brokenness in your heart right now He's working right now. consistently, God, of who you are. When we try to take things back, when we try to do things on our own, when we think that we can make it, we pray and we ask now, God, that you would remind us how much we need you every single day. Just remind us, no, let me keep it. Let me have it. Let me walk you through it. I'm here. Let me surround you. We thank you, God, for who you are and for what you've done. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you that we get to know you. Thank you that we get to have relationship with you. We honor you, Father, and we bless your name today. Be lifted high in this place today, in the name of Jesus I pray.
3: Father God, I just thank you for uh, the many blessings that you give us. Uh, We know that all good and perfect things come from you. I ask, Father, that you accept these tithes and offerings um, as we cheerfully give back what really is already yours. Uh, Bless it and let it be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, a few announcements. Our new uh, series, Rooted, continues here at Hill City and with our groups. So if you still want to join a group, you still can. Um, You would talk to Julie Mitchell or get a pamphlet from outside on the welcome table. Um, Monday night, we have our community table at 6 p.m. There's a sign-up genius on the Facebook page if you want to help with that. Um, There'll be a list of things that are needed. Uh, So invite your friends and your neighbors and come and let's reach out to our community. Um, Right after service, there'll be some people right outside the foyer to the room to the right. If you need prayer today, we'd be happy to pray for you. Just meet us right out there. If you're interested in being on a prayer team, please contact me. All right, one more. Last but not least, um, our IF gathering, our women's conference. Woo! All right, it's March 6th and 7th, and you only have two weeks to sign up, so let's sign up. Um, it's one of our uh, favorite times of the year. Um, you really get... a uh, just a refreshing, you know, and Jen asked me to just say a couple of things about what it has done for me. Um, This will be the third year that I've gone. Um, It's kind of like a refreshing, a reboot. I tend to lose my way in the winter, like after Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think it's the busyness of the season, and I tend to get empty. And it's like a refilling for me. It's just a refreshing and a refilling of the Holy Spirit that gets me through to the next IF conference. <laughs> so I really would like to see you guys there. Um, it's, it's really a lot of fun. There's a lot of food, a lot of women. It's just uh, you'll make some really good friends and hear some great stories. So we invite you to do that. All right.
0: I just want to thank everyone who helped yesterday at the funeral and then at the reception. At the funeral, there was like, I don't know, 1,000, 1,100 people there. So it was pretty wild. And then at the reception, that was wild too, you know, just to see how many people came out to honor and how many of you guys served your butts off. You guys rock. I was like so honored watching you guys serve. And the people just were so grateful, and I just thank you for that. Uh, tomorrow uh, is the community table. If you're hungry, just come out. We're going to eat together. It's at 6 o'clock right here really good food and it's just time to eat it's good invite a neighbor it was just our way to uh just to fight against the relational poverty that's in our city so uh thank you guys we love you guys and can i close in prayer all right heavenly father i just thank you god And uh, I just pray, God, that be with our youth, be with our family. Thank you for those serving hands today and tomorrow. We pray that neighbors, friends, people who are going through hard times, would just come to a table together to eat. Lord, that's it, Lord God. We want to build relationships. We believe that lives are better together, Lord God. And it's our way of loving our city. We thank you. We honor you in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. God bless you guys. Thank you guys so much.